Welcome to the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous, Intentional Parenting, where two guys discuss and explore the challenges of parenting. They share their experiences, ideas, and perspectives as they search for ways to be better sons, husbands, and dads. Here are the hosts, Joseph Winkle and Taylor Greenhall. Well, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Joe, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Taylor. I'm glad to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, you know, we were just having this conversation a few minutes ago about what we've been learning from our the people we've interviewed. And yeah. What a gift it's been for me as a father to to talk to a a great uh, counselor, so who works uh, with addiction and recovery and prevention, and then to to speak with a great young man who has been through addiction and is still working through it, but is such a positive influence mm-hmm. on people. But really, as a father, I've thought a lot about, well, you know, what lessons can I bring back to my kids? And the, the theme that I keep hearing is about you having conversations with your kids mm-hmm. and having that open relationship of communication is key to prevention and even in helping them overcoming yeah, I would agree 100%. That's thought those were powerful conversations. And again, just like you, I was looking for my take home. What am I going to do as a father now to be better now that I have this information and these experiences? And I just thought I, I need to be the, a person that my kids trust. And the way that I do that is by being a part of their lives. And a lot of that comes through conversations, especially since I can't go to school with them. I can't be with them all the time. I think, well, the, the best thing to do is to talk to them and, and help them to feel comfortable talking to me and, and their mom as well. Absolutely. So so that's what we've been talking about. And as we have, I've thought about some of these the ways that we've tried to establish ourselves, my wife and I, as the source, the source of truth for our children. Like when they have a question... And they want to know about something. Where do they think to go? Well, we want them to think to come to us first. Now, we certainly don't know everything, but we at least know them and we care more for them than anyone else uh, on earth. And so I think we're a great resource for pointing them in the right direction. And as we are nearing the holidays right now, we're just getting ready to roll into November. Uh, It made me think about a really interesting pattern we established with our kids in trying to help establish ourselves as a source of truth. So this is a little bit of a story, but it's it's well worth listening to. So for the parents out there listening, if you happen to have children with you, I'm gonna give you the chance to turn off the recording if you would like to have a great conversation with your own kids about Santa Claus, but we will be talking about that. So I'll just give you a second to uh, turn that off before we get started. A while back, uh, again, we had seven kids in nine years. So we had seven small children. We got to experience parenting, parenting all children all at once. And as our kids got older, one of the things that was coming up with our older kids were questions about Santa Claus and, and such. And this always bothered me and even worried me. Our kids are coming to us and saying, our friends are saying Santa's not real. And is he? And what do you think? And of course... We were lying <laughs> in regards to, you know, how their presents were getting under the tree. And I thought, well, how's this going to end up for us? You know, in essence, they're going to figure out that we're not being honest with them and 
And then they're just going to say, oh, okay, you know, big joke. And, but then our, how are they going to look to us? And well, what about other things that we tell them about that they can't see or understand, like faith and God? Are they going to still trust us in those things? So it, it was just something I didn't really know what to do about. And here, my oldest was 11, my daughter and my son was 10. And we were getting ready for Christmas. And she, my daughter, my beautiful daughter, had asked, all she wanted for Christmas was a bell from Santa's sleigh. She may have been 12, quite frankly, 11 or 12. And, you know, like uh, the Polar Express. And I was just like, how beautiful is this? Her belief in Santa and all she wanted. So I I went about to find Santa's bell, you know. So I'm all over town. I, I want something that looks right and sounds right and quality, you know, and no price is too high. And I ended up at my, yeah, I believe was the store. And I go in and I just immediately know I'm not going to be able to find it. So I find a little, little, uh, teller and I say, look, here's what I'm looking for. And this is what I'm looking to do. And, and she was uh, really excited to help me. And she even got another employee and I'm like, Oh, this dad is doing this thing for his daughter and it's going to be great for Christmas. So they take me to the store and, and they find perfect bell. It looked beautiful. It was the right size. It sounded great. And, they, and they're kind of walking me to check out. And they kind of walk off like, oh, good luck. I hope it works out. And as I'm checking out, the girl there um, taking my money says, well, what was going on? I heard them talking. I said, oh. So I'm all excited to say, well, my daughter, you know, this is what she wants. Well, I, I tell her what I'm doing. And her reaction was the opposite. The other girls were so excited, like, oh, you're going to do this fun thing for your daughter. And, and she, not at all. And I just had this clear thought. And I said, do you mind me asking, how old were you when you realized that Santa Claus was a belief instead of an actual person? And she said, uh, too old. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I could tell it was a sore subject. She, her, her total countenance changed. And uh, I said, do you mind me asking about that? Because my daughter is 12 and... You know, I'm trying to figure out, like, how how do you help them understand, go from a fun belief to what's real? And she says, oh, no, I about that age, you know, my, all my friends were saying, oh, Santa's not real. And I went to my parents and they were like, oh, they just don't believe and you are a believer and he's real. And, and they did this huge thing that just convinced me that Santa was real. And so, so finally, I was 16 years old when I realized that I had been duped by my parents and she felt humiliated and embarrassed and certainly didn't, wasn't happy with her parents. They hadn't done her any favors in her opinion. And here I am about to reinforce to my daughter this, uh, of course, uh, the Santa Claus, um, dream. Anyhow, so it really led me to thinking and I'd had a great leader and he got up in a church meeting and, uh, he said, now my wife has said she doesn't want me to say this in public, but I'm just going to say, because I feel to say it, it was about Christmas time. And he said, I, you know, we sit our kids down and we, we tell them what's true. And we say, there's a difference between what's a fun idea and what's true. And, and we tell them that, you know, these things aren't true and these are fun ideas. And, but now you're older and you can understand what's true. And I immediately felt that he, he was wise in what he was doing. I understood that other people were like, it's so beautiful, the belief and, they want to keep that as long as they can and that innocence. But then there is the time when you have to go from beautiful, innocent childhood belief to 
the reality of things and and not have it be a traumatic or embarrassing thing. So so I, I told my wife, I said, well, I think we should sit down and, and have this chat with our two oldest. We'll bring them in. And, and she was, you know, kind of on board, like she got what I was saying. But then, you know, she loves doing all these things for kids. And we have all these other children as well. So we bring in our two oldest. This would be our 12-year-old daughter, our 11-year-old son. Like, hey, we, we want to have a talk with you guys. We're getting excited for Christmas. Uh, but we just think that you're old enough now that we can tell you some important things. And then you can be helpers for us. And so I start off by saying, well, we want to talk about fun ideas. What's real and what's a fun idea? And I said, so for instance, uh, magic, like, you know, like Harry Potter and because they read the books. I'm like, is that real or is that a fun idea? And they're like, oh, it's, that's a fun idea. I'm like, so you, wait, you're telling me there's not magic wands you can wave and the room goes just how you want it? No, of course not, blah, blah, blah. And and I said, all right. I said, well, what about, uh, you know, Heavenly Father? Your Heavenly Father, God that created this earth. Is that a fun idea or is it real? And I'm like, oh, it's, he's real. And how do you know? Well, I know because I've learned about him and how I feel about him. And, and I said, okay, so we know the difference, right? There's things that are fun ideas and there's things that are real, even though you might not be able to see either of them. Yeah, they get it. I'm like, all right. I'm like, uh, well, what about the Easter Bunny? And you could tell at 12 and 11, the thought <laughs> had not crossed their mind. Well, my daughter, she's like, she's, she has this look on her face like she doesn't know. And my son, who's younger, kind of laughs. He's like, not real, fun idea. And she's like, what? <laughs> like this reality. Now, again, imagine she's the oldest. So she, she's our experiment. <laughs> we don't know how to parent. And we don't know how. Anyway, so she's kind of like, like mind blown. And I'm like, do you want to know what the Easter Bunny looks like? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, look at your mom. That's exactly what Easter Bunny looks like because she's the one hopping through the house, putting eggs in your basket. And it was kind of this whole paradigm shift, right? But my son was like, are you kidding me? Like a seven foot rabbit running around our house. <laughs> like who believes that? He's very intelligent. And he was enjoying this at this point. And I said, I said, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, so you guys are getting the idea now. I'm like, what about the tooth fairy? And his jaw drops because we had had one of those events where I really went overboard to show him the power of the tooth fairy. It was really cool. Actually, it was this great little thing. And uh, he wrote this letter to the tooth fairy and, and the tooth fairy wrote him a letter back and said, don't tell this to anyone or, or this letter will disappear. And I just, I went all out and he was convinced that the tooth fairy was his pal and, and he had learned, had a special experience that was a couple of years earlier. So she's like not real and he's looking at me and like his whole brain is trying to work this out. And, uh, and I'm like, and now it's, now Christmas is coming and my daughter, her eyes go big and she puts her hands over her ears. She's like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> And at that moment, I thought, maybe I've made a mistake. <laughs> but then I thought, no, I said, look, you know, clearly, you know, think about it. And we talked, you know, and said, yeah, well, you know, we're Santa Claus. But the idea of believing in Santa Claus, and we talked about the importance of belief and, and these beautiful traditions and, and how these are good things, but they're also to an age where they can know the difference between what's a fun idea that you enjoy and what's real and true. And then 
this was kind of the magic that we we were wise enough to do is we said now you get to be part of that fun this year you guys get to be santa claus and you get to help wrap the gifts and you get to see what people are getting and you get to put them out and they were so excited to help and they felt that they had reached a different level of maturity and and it was great it went great and they were great and then of course the stipulation if you tell any of your brothers and sisters <laughs> that this isn't real, Santa quits coming to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyhow, that was uh, something we did with them. And then what we determined ourselves, based on our thoughts and beliefs, is that the age of eight years old is when we would sit our children down and have this conversation and, and let them enter into the world of what is true and what is a fun idea. And it has gone exceptionally well. They look forward to it. Some of them have caught on early. Our youngest, I, she must have been six. And she's like, the Easter bunny is not real. And I'm telling all my friends. <laughs> I'm like, don't you tell any of your friends. Anyhow, um, but it's gone great. And what it's done, though, is it, it is instead of it being a situation like this poor teller, 16 years old, who was embarrassed and humiliated and her, I really feel bad for her parents who, she probably lost some trust with um, our kids, realize we're a source of truth. We will tell them what's real. And, and it, got a, it got rid of those awkward moments when our kids were coming to us and saying, is this true or not true? And we're like, uh, yeah, just believe and it's true. And I, I feel that parents really do get stuck on this. So this was just uh, one way we started establishing ourselves as a source of truth for our kids. And there, there will be parents out there who think we're the worst people ever. <laughs> and we might get some hate back on this podcast. But, uh, just, just, uh, all I can say is it's, it's only been a benefit to our family. And I don't think any innocence has been lost over yeah. being the, the source of, of truth and, uh, what's fun ideas. It reminds me uh, real quick of a post I saw once on Facebook and I didn't know the person. Someone had just shared it and he said, my, this morning my daughter came to the breakfast table and slammed a tooth on the table very angrily. And, uh, it was her proving ground. She had lost a tooth the night before. I didn't tell either of her parents and stuck it under her pillow. And I just thought that's, oh, it's a funny story. The way you shared your story had some, obviously had some humor to it. But the reality is that is a, you're right. That is something that parents think about. And I, look to you as a father of older children than I have. And I just think, well, I'm glad to have this conversation because I have thought about that conversation with my kids. I know there will be that time when I, my wife and I will have this conversation with our kids. And, and that is the, a concern or a fear that has come to my mind is thinking, man, will my kids trust me after this conversation. And, um, I think what that comes from is my desire. Maybe I didn't know that at the time, but it's my desire to be a source of trust for my kids. And I think, man, are they going to feel like I've abandoned that trust with them when that conversation does yeah. happen with my kids? So I'm appreciative of that. But I think ultimately, like you were saying, the ultimate part of this is the ability for our kids to know that they can come to us for truth. Yeah, and in all the places they can go for truth, you know, where where do you find truth? And boy, if there's a time where people don't know where to find truth, it is today. I mean, you literally have 
two experts telling you exact opposite things, whether it's in the medical issues or whatnot, political issues, are so divided because mm-hmm. nobody knows where to go for truth. But I know where I go for truth, and my first source for truth is God. You know, mm-hmm. I, I pray and I feel Him lead, lead me to what is right and what is true, and, and specifically for me and my family. And like, just like this, for us, this works. I'm not saying this is something everyone needs to do or that's the right age. I will say that for us uh, in, in our faith of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, at eight is when our children, children can be baptized into mm-hmm. our church. Kind of an age where they shift from, you know, kind of that childhood innocence to starting to understand, like just like with them, they're old enough to understand the difference between, you know, what is real and what, you know, maybe not real. So that just kind of, we, we kind of use this as a way to, to move into that conversation as well. When our kids are, now when our kids are turning eight and they're getting ready to be baptized, we talk about how, what an amazing time this is and how kind of this time of being a young child, you're kind of growing out of that. You're, you're maturing and you're learning new things. And now you're going to be baptized and you're going to choose to follow Christ. And, you know, we want it to be their choice. And then we say, and also you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost who teaches all truth. And so now we kind of blend it into that thing they're already excited mm-hmm. for. And then we say, and now you get to, you know, help us and be a part of uh, all the fun. Of course, our youngest just, you know, she's out, out of luck. She <laughs> doesn't get to have fun. Now, of course, uh, for holidays, now that everyone's old enough to know, now we have, uh, we do three gifts in our family, something we started doing long ago, go for Christmas, which was a great blessing as well as the advice of my mom. And I'd always tell my kids, I'd like, well, Jesus only got three gifts. And it's good enough for Jesus. Good enough, <laughs> good enough for you. As we found, we were buying so many presents. I mean, with eight, seven kids, you know, I mean, it looked like a toy store and half of them don't get used or broken. And it just became so co- commercial for us. So we went to three gifts. So now they get a gift from mom and dad, which is typically the good gift, which we want the credit for. I don't want to necessarily give the credit to some fictional character. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, uh, then they each, we draw names. So they each give a gift to a sibling, uh, which they pay for and buy. And then, and then we have the, the Santa gift, you know, the Santa gift. So on a, on a maybe a more serious note, I think one thing that you had mentioned is living in the world we live in now that is divided, whether it's politically or religiously or whatever it is, there's powerful tools of untruth in the world. I am an educator, I work in education, and there's an interesting trend, and I don't understand what TikTok is, but it's going on TikTok. And for uh, September, the trend was to videotape yourself in school vandalizing the restroom so we we were constantly getting reports of kids stealing the soap dispensers and and the challenge is you have to record yourself doing this and getting away with it well uh, we just got a notification that october's trend is to slap a teacher in the face and record it and post it to TikTok, however you do that. And I just thought it's so interesting that um, our children are being bombarded with this idea as if it is a cool, you don't fit in unless you follow these norms that we're creating for our society. And I just thought how sad that for some kids, they will think I have to do this in order to fit in. And that is the ultimate lie. You have to do something that is inherently wrong 
in order to be uh, accepted by your peers. And I'm reminded of something I heard on the radio once. I, there's a Christian radio personality that I listen to quite often, and this was dealing with political turmoil, but I think we can apply it to anything that we talk about. And someone uh, wrote into his show and said, what do I do? What, who do I vote for, essentially? And he said, I'm not going to answer that question, but I will tell you the way that I live my life is that no matter who gets elected, they cannot influence what I do in my own home and what I teach my children in my own home. And I thought that was really powerful. And I've used that so many times. I thought, man, I, I got this email notifying the teachers that this next trend is if a kid smacks you in the face, what we're supposed to do about it. And I just thought, man, my kids are coming up on this age where they are, they are already starting to, even at six and eight, much younger than I thought they were going to be. They're already being influenced by these things. And it just, it snowballs. I mean, there's going to be, we, we, we've talked about the influence of drugs, the influence of pornography, the influence of harmful substances. And those are the things that are coming up for my kids. And I just thought, many times I've thought, how do I deal with this? And the answer has always gone back to my home and my family, my, you know, working together with my wife to create a home that is a place of truth. So when my kids come home and say, hey, dad, there's this new trend where you have to steal something from the bathroom. I can say, that's not true. And and that's the world we live in. And that's a scary reality, I think, for parents a lot of times. For me, I know it is. But um, we've talked about lies versus truth a lot on this podcast. And I think truth is always the thing that is comforting and is, I guess, liberating that I can say, to my children, this is true, this is not true, whatever it is, and they can trust me and believe yeah, me. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny, my wife told me about that just this morning, about this trend and how they're going to start prosecuting the kids who've been mm -hmm. stealing things, which, of course, they should, and, boy, that would be a, a great lesson. But I think about what you said about truth, and, you know, as the scriptures say, the truth will set us free. It does comfort us to know what is true and what we can count on. I was thinking about uh, one of my sons, um, and he was quite young, and I just said, I mean, again, we had a lot of kids running around our house, but we, we know each one of them well. And I could just see something had changed within him. He just seemed a little different. He was probably only seven years old, maybe eight. One night, I, I just said, why don't you come in for a minute and brought him into our room. That's where we have our conversations with our kids, where the other kids are locked outside. And uh, not interrupting. And I just said, are you good? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, you sure? You just seems don't seem that right. And he's like, no, I'm good. And, and I just had the clearest thought, which I believe is the spirit that prompts us to truth. It said he's seen something. And I didn't know what that meant. I, I, I thought about it and I said, Did you, have you seen something that you shouldn't have looked at? And his eyes went right down. And again, I had no indication of this other than a feeling. You could say intuition, but... Of the spirit, and I said, "You want to tell me what happened?" And he's like, "Yeah, the computer was off, and I, I turned it on, and there was a picture. It was a, I think, a gif of a of a woman opening her shirt and showing her." And uh, he didn't know what to think about that, so we of course turned it right back off. Well, what had happened is my wife had gotten online, and she was downloading things from the school, and she had, and it said she needed to update her Adobe Reader. So she clicked on that, took it to another link, and all of a sudden this full screen of a woman opening her shirt pops up. Well, 
my wife didn't know what to do, and so she couldn't turn it off. So she just unplugged the computer. Thought when Dad gets home, he'll figure out how to fix this. And my son had come in and found the computer unplugged and plugged it in, and and without any doing anything wrong, you know, he was exposed to pornography, and which is damaging to our souls, and and it had it it had harmed him. He felt different, and so we had a great conversation about these things. And again, not just being a source of truth, which is pornography is, is not good. We, we talk to our kids about pornography because they're constantly being exposed to it in different ways and we do our best to protect them. But the best protection is to teach them the truth about it, which isn't focusing on pornography. It's focusing on honoring our bodies, men honoring women, why God has men and women come together to create families teaching them those correct principles and teaching them those truths. But also in that moment, whether it was by accident that he did it and we found out um, being a safe place for him to talk about what happened, not getting upset. I mean, imagine a child coming to you because they had seen something they shouldn't. And instead of saying, I'm sorry that happened to you, how are you feeling? Saying, you know that's wrong and you shouldn't look at those things and you know overreacting out of your fear i mean they're not going to want to come to you with their problems because you get upset and they don't want to upset you they're, they're your children so i think being a place being a source of truth for your kids it, it's not just about the information it's about how they feel when they are talking to you and sharing with you that's kind of the, the concept here you know, let's let's establish those patterns when our kids are young and when they're older, it should be as natural as can be for your teenagers to come home after a date and tell you all about it. And you can share in their joys and share in their sorrows of how they approach the difficult life that we now live. Well, Joe, I appreciate talking to you. And I think the thought as you shared that story and those final thoughts were, was just that some of the most rewarding experiences I've had in my life have been conversations with my children. At their age, they don't they don't last very long. They don't last as long as I would like them to. And sometimes my kids get bugged if I try to draw more information out from them, especially things like, how did school go today? Fine. Well, what did you do? Why was it fine? But every once in a while, they open up to me, and it's powerful, and I just hope that this is the beginning of some, some patterns for my kids and, and, and myself and my wife to create those conversations and those opportunities to teach them and and increase their trust in me and and also as a pattern like you said to to one day feel comfortable for my for my kids to feel comfortable going to their higher power because there is even in second grade my son's in second grade and he asks me questions where i say i don't know yet (laughs) or i don't know when i do feel uh inadequate as a source of all truth that they know where to go for that for that truth but Thank you, Joe, as usual, and thank you to everyone who's listening. We sure appreciate it. It means the world to us, and we would invite you to share and subscribe to this podcast. Have a great day. We are so glad you could join in on the podcast, Fatherhood, Perspectives on Righteous, Intentional Parenting. You can find us on all the best podcast sites. Please subscribe and share, and be a part of the conversation by sharing your ideas, posing questions, and making suggestions. Drop us a line at fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. That's one word, fatherhoodperspectives at gmail.com. This segment was recorded and engineered by Jim Fugate.
The music for this podcast was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alitu, the podcast maker. Find your own free music over at thepodcasthost.com slash free music.